listening to Rumination Thursday on Long Gospel on this May the 30th in the year of our Lord, 2019. And uh, back in the saddle with us is Reverend Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing pretty good. You know, when you were gone for two weeks, you had we had James Norton and then Steve Reardon take your place. And mm. we did a little poll on it. Uh, we asked, who would you like to continue? And James Norton got 2,450 votes. Steve Reardon got 2,451 votes. And you got... Three million five hundred thousand votes. <laughs> so I guess we got you back on, Wes. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see those polls myself. Well, am I in a pulpit? No, you're not. Then don't believe what I say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not in scripture either. Uh, I tell you, it takes a while for a congregation to get used to me because a lot of times I'll just say things that are just really. Uh, not correct, but I'll tell you, I had a surprise last night. Mm. Uh, Wednesday, I was preaching to two congregations because they can't find anybody on Sundays to help them out. And so we meet on Wednesday, and I walked in, and I had forgotten that I had told them that next Wednesday, I said this last Wednesday, we would do the Ascension because that's today. And I had the sermon for the sixth Sunday after Easter. Also, uh -oh. didn't bring it with me. Um, haven't written it out entirely. It's really a, a newer sermon. I've never preached some things about it, and so I had to do it by memory. So we started at six thirty, and about ten fifteen, we ended the service. <laughs> they all wanted to ascend. <laughs> Ascent to their places at home, huh? Oh boy, it was really good. How was your vacation? Yeah, it was good. We we uh, went with the family down to Florida. Yes. And um, one of the places that we stopped at for church was uh, Mexico Beach. There's a Missouri Senate uh, station or church down there, Living Waters of the Lutheran Church. Huh. And uh, they were devastated by the uh, hur hurricane. So sure, it was great to to worship with them, and they they do this out on the beach on a Sunday morning. Wow, I, I did that once in California. Uh, you don't have um, an altar, so to speak, uh, or pulpit or lectern. Um, uh, how many people were there about? Uh, well, there was our eight plus about another eight, 16. Yes. The, the, their congregations kind of split up a little bit, you know, living in different places because a lot of their houses have been destroyed. But uh, Plus in Florida, people come down, you know, yeah. during the winter more than they have right now. Yes, and so they uh, are planning on rebuilding and, They've gotten a lot of donations from from various sources. People Excellent. Been been helping them out trying to rebuild. Well, that sounds very good. And you got back safe and sound, and we're back in the saddle. And what we're going to be talking about is what today is um, in your Central Illinois district. That's one of the districts of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. We have thirty five of them. 
How many of your congregations do you think have a Thursday night Ascension service? Well, we have 16 circuits. You know, circuits is made up of 8 to 11 churches. Right. Yeah, I would say uh, every one of them, every one of the circuits somewhere has, has yes. a church that has about 2 to 3. I would say about 26 to 30 churches. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, a lot of them, though, wait till Sunday. Because um, of the four churches I'm helping out with, none of them had a Thursday night ascension. So last night for Wednesday night, we did ascension. And then this coming Sunday for two of the churches, I'll be doing the ascension. And a lot of pastors, I think, do that. And I'm I'm wondering, how many times do we ever preach there for the seventh Sunday of Easter? (laughs) We kind of skip that one. Yeah. Well, when I was in the parish... Uh, a lot of times that's what I did was the Sunday after the Ascension was the celebration of Ascension. Yeah, uh, my parish for 28 years, we always had an Ascension service. And and remember, I had a whole bunch of field workers and professors and this sort of thing, and I often would bring one of them in to uh, do the the preaching uh, for Ascension. But it's really kind of important. And as we prepared for today, what do you think is the most important item in the ascension that you would want to get across in a sermon? Oh, boy. Boy? <laughs> no, yeah. I'm thinking of several, but that he, he actually physically in his human nature was uh, ascended slowly up into heaven. Now, does that mean that he's not still with us? You know, we, we would have to answer that question, too. But he goes and sits at the right hand of, uh, of, of God. And probably when, when you look at it, uh, I tend to agree with your, your reference to Revelations chapter 5. The Lamb on the throne opens the scrolls. He is sent on uh, to the right hand. Yeah, I often think if you had a video camera and you were on the Mount of Ascension and Jesus rises, as soon as he gets hit by the clouds, he takes on the form of a slain lamb because that's how he comes into heaven in Revelation chapter 5. Yes, and uh, he is the only one that's powerful enough to open up the the scroll that we're talking about. No angel is powerful enough. The 24 elders couldn't do it. And uh, yeah, the the a, word that the angel asks is, "Who is worthy?" Worthy, yeah. And nobody is found to be worthy. How does Jesus become worthy to open up the scroll? Because he was the lamb that was slain. Yes, and, and the scroll is kind of interesting. In uh, those days, Rome would make a law uh, for Palestine. And therefore, they would put it on a scroll, roll it up, and then it really didn't become law until it was unrolled and read. So if it was never read, it never became law. When we understand that the scroll is how God saves humankind, if nobody had been worthy to open up the scroll, guess what? Nobody would have been saved. Exactly. And so he was worthy to open the scroll 
because as a slain lamb, he redeemed people. Hmm. So the, the whole thing of the suffering, death, and resurrection are wrapped up in the scroll. Absolutely. In fact, remember what the first seals are. We call them the horses of the... Apocalypse. Yes. The word apocalypse is actually the first word in the book of Revelation. It is translated as revelation. Revelation, yeah. And so... And the four horses are war, tyranny, famine, and death. And they're really the horses of the devil. But upon closer reading, guess who's holding the reins? Uh, the lamb. That's right. Jesus is the lamb. You know, I've been listening to these CDs that have the a whole Bible on them. And uh, about a week ago, I listened to the entire book of Job. And there was a good example where the horses of Satan did afflict suffering on Job. But, of course, God tricked Satan into allowing that so that by the end of the book, Job has much stronger faith. In fact, he says, I used to hear about you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. In other words... He recognizes the rumors he heard about God, that is, that three of his friends kept telling him about. He didn't like what they were saying, but it wasn't until his fourth friend and then God himself spoke to him. And I love the reaction of Job. You know, once I've spoken, twice I've spoken, I put my hand over my mouth, and instead I repent in dust and ashes and that's the sign of the believer who really understands god but i tell you there is stuff in the book of job especially with uh, job's fourth friend explaining about god how different he is than a human being i would i, I would definitely agree with you I, what, what comes to mind is ephesians chapter one where he talks about that uh, he, Paul talks about that he's raised from the dead and sits at the right hand in heavenly places, and he puts all things under his feet and gave him overhead over all things in the church. So, so he rules the the church, the world in in, in our best interest, right? Yes. Well, then, uh, have you had any tornadoes and storms down there in St. Louis? Uh, only when I drove up towards Springfield to do preaching. <laughs> Boy, the clouds were dark last night. And I, I did get hit by a rain on that uh, 67 going north, but not for very long. And it seems like I kept going into the clear areas of the sky. So as far as I know, not much happened around our house at all. I think one twig fell down, and that was about it. But where it really occurred was in Jeff City and a couple of other cities. Cities in Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah. So how is he ruling in our interest when when I'm sure there's countless Lutherans as well as many Christians that have been beset by all of these storms? Well, you just talked about one in Mexico Beach. Yes. And did they all lose their faith? Not that I'm aware of. If anything, it strengthened it. That's the point. It strengthens faith. 
For example, you may not believe much in medicine, but then you go to the doctor with a real pain and he prescribes one pill. I have still not figured this out. How a pill that, like I used to get headaches, uh, and a pill you take that goes down to your stomach ends up taking care of the pain in your head. How's that work? <laughs> How did they figure that out? I have no idea. And, but then you have a greater trust in your doctor. Ah. So he's, well, it does say that he works all things as good as them that love him. That's right. And that's precisely, that's that Romans passage, all things work together for our, for our good. And I tell you, we need to help people understand how God wants to be regarded. Mm. Well, he says God is love. Yes. He's not only love, but um, he's, uh, he has a lot of understanding. And I'm, I'm getting a lot of this from the book of Job. Uh, God has no need to consider a man further that he should go before God in judgment. Because God shatters the mighty without investigation and sets others in their place. Thus, knowing their works, he overturns them in the night, and they are crushed. He strikes mm. them for their wickedness in a place for all to see. I, I remember when Hezekiah thought he was going to die. Remember, he prayed, and God gave him 15 more years. But prior to that, Sennacherib, uh, the king, had brought a large army uh, before Jerusalem, and what did the angel of the Lord do? Slew 185,000 soldiers. Exactly. And therefore, that's why we trust in God. The works he has done, he continues to do works. Like somebody thinks, boy, are there any miracles going on today? Well, have you ever attended a baptism? Right. Have you ever attended the Lord's Supper? How do we consider those as uh, miracles? In fact, the original Greek word to describe them is mysterion, that Jerome in the Latin Vulgate translated as sacramentum. Mm. The mysteries. Yes, there are mysteries because we don't understand how they happen, but we knew, do know that they did happen. So he sits at the right hand of God and has the power to rule over the earth. But yet on the other hand, it says, you know, in John 14, um, that the Father and I will come and, and live with you in the heart. Or Matthew 28, lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. In fact, it's really hard to preach the ascension without preaching Pentecost. Mm. Because that's the other comforter. And they work together in, in our lives. And they do so because they are keeping their promises. I, I can't think of one promise God has made to me that he's ever broken. Mm. You know, and it's interesting, too, because in Corinthians it talks about we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And yet you go to First John and it talks about how he's our defense attorney. Yes. You know, and, all, and he becomes defense attorney because he's replacing a prosecuting attorney. attorney. 
And that's the devil himself. So the devil, the way he prosecutes us, not only speaking to God, uh, making points to him, but to us, look at what a sinful person you're going to be. And a lot of Christians fall into that trap, kind of worried about Judgment Day. Hmm. And he's already uh, interceding on our behalf there in heaven, as well as he's still here within our hearts through holy baptism. Yes. And that's why I always try to emphasize, if anybody asks you, if you were to die tonight, would you be saved? What you answer is, I am baptized. Nice, yeah. There in Hebrews 6, it talks about that he, that his being raised into heaven was as a forerunner for us. Yes, and elsewhere, he was... Not only the first fruits of the resurrection, but as a forerunner, he's giving us an indication where we too will be going, going. on the day of judgment. And and can you imagine that uh, believers in Christ who have been baptized and they die, they go to heaven and all of a sudden Jesus isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... it's uh... As I looked at it, I said, only as a believer can can uh, you begin to understand some of these things by the by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because on the one hand, Christ has ascended; He's in heaven. On the other hand, He's still with us here on earth. Yes, and we need to uh, recall that that ascension. Uh, it says He ascended into heaven. The word "heaven" there isn't referring to the heaven that we're all going to be going to after Judgment Day. It's just another way of understanding when he created the heavens and the earth. It's referring to the sky, the universe, etc. So that's why I had the thought that as he ascended into the heavens, the clouds. And why are clouds important in the Bible? Wasn't there a pillar of cloud that they... Followed in the Exodus from from Egypt. Well said. And then remember, on Mount Sinai, there was a cloud. Cloud. And how how about at the Transfiguration? Transfiguration, the the temple, there was a cloud there. Exactly. They said. And so his ascension into the clouds is just another way of saying that he's going to be with the Father. I and the Father are one. When you see me, you see the Father. And that's why I like Revelation 5 so well, because the Father's on the throne holding the scroll. No one is worthy to open it, but when Jesus ascends, he is worthy because he died on the cross for us. And therefore, he takes the scroll out of the right hand of the Ancient of Days who is on the throne in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. And that scroll is then opened up. It kind of reminds you of the story of Joseph. He became Pharaoh's right-hand man. The seven years of prosperity and the seven years of famine that was there. And Joseph ruled in, in uh, favor of his family and taking care of them. Yes. In fact... Once you understand all the episodes of Jesus in the New Testament, you can go back to the Old Testament and and find parallels 
in, in a lot of areas. You just name one of Joseph. Another one, of course, that's very popular in the New Testament is Moses. Jesus is the second Moses. And also, in Romans, Jesus is the new Adam. Hmm. So, it's the New Testament looking into the old, finding them. But, you know, it's like we've always said from Genesis to Revelation. It's a story about Jesus. Yes. In fact, that's why we're singing hymns of the Ascension uh, this coming Sunday, and, and a number of them will kind of be reminding us of Revelation 5. After the Lamb takes the scroll, then it says, everybody in heaven, including the elders, they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. Now see, when they sang to the Father... Worthy are you because you had created the world. But mm-hmm. in the son's case, you were slain, and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So it's quite a celebration. Well, it really is. In fact, I did a sermon not that long ago, and the question was okay. God had established priests in the Old Testament to pray for us, do sacrifices, comfort us. Who does he establish in the New Testament as priests? Well, there in First Peter it says, you are a holy royal nation, a priesthood. Yes. And I asked, would that be referring to the pastors? Anybody disagree with that? Nobody disagreed. And then I made the point, no. The priesthood of believers, as you just mentioned, are the new priests. That parents can talk to their children. They can pray for them. They do what the priests did in praying for people as Jesus taught us to pray. Exactly. Well said. So, since you, um, well, where, where are you going this Sunday to worship? To church. Good. Okay. Just haven't decided yeah, I'm yet. Going, I'm going to, refer, or to Ascension service this evening. Oh, you are? Yeah, 6.30. Yeah, so, um, I think I'm going to be the first time I've been back to my home congregation in about three years. Oh but my. because we don't have an Ascension services at any of them, um, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, returning there. And uh, the other reason is is my grandson, uh, one of them, is playing the trombone in the orchestra that they're going to be using. Oh, you gotta, Austin. you got to see that. Yep, you got to see that. Well, you can't see it because they're in the balcony. They expanded oh, their balcony to fit an orchestra. And so I'm kind of looking forward to doing That'll that. That would be great. That would yeah. be great. Yeah, the uh, address, by the way, it's at 7 o'clock tonight, and uh, it's 12345 Manchester at St. Paul de Pere. Pretty easy to find, and uh, they always have wonderful services, great organists, great music, and it really takes you out of this world. In a sense, you ascend with Jesus to heaven. (laughs) Right. And that's what heaven is, is a foretaste. Uh, in a worship service of the heaven that we're going to be experiencing forever and ever. 
And there we meet Christ in his word and sacrament. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I believe they're going to be having the Lord's Supper tonight. Most times uh, they do during an ascension service. Ascension service, yes. Because, in a sense, if it's just interesting to go through all seven seals. We only talked about the first four. But the other ones are also very important that uh, Jesus opens up to show us that he is the one who has saved us. And that's why... The whole Bible is about Jesus, Jesus. Yep. from Genesis all the way through Revelation. Although it was kind of interesting listening to some of the early books of the Bible, they had about, it seemed like a hundred names that they were doing in order. <laughs> this was the son of so-and-so, and his mother was so-and-so, and all this sort of thing. Yeah, I've been reading Chronicles lately. Oh, yeah, that's exactly the kind of thing. Well, we're glad you're back, uh, as the poll indicated. Remember that poll I talked about? Uh, Next Thursday, you're open? Yes, I plan on being here. And you know what's going to be the Sunday after that? Pentecost. Yes, so we may be talking about Pentecost. Ah. Thanks so very much for being with us. I'm Tom Baker, that's Wes Reimnitz, and we'll be looking forward to tomorrow's Open Mic Friday, where you can ask any question of a theological nature on your mind. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.